Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is uh, your podcast for uh, December 16th. Is it already that time of year, I suppose? Almost. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, uh, well, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, right off the top, I wanted to uh, address, we talked about um, what to do with this podcast as we, as we had gotten closer to publishing, we realized that one thing uh, was a possibility, and that was uh, um, identifying uh, sponsorships, um, which uh, I'm not a big fan of just because we're not doing this to generate income per se. Uh, but if you, it, certainly not to discourage anyone, if you want to help uh, pay for the costs of uh, what this co- podcast costs the, the, the church, feel free to w- uh, visit our we- website, uh, www.holyfamilyfishers.org. That's I believe, right. I believe. Uh, and there's a spot there uh, on, on the, I think, the, even the main page if you want to make a donation to, to the church. You're more than welcome to do that. I didn't want to do it through paid sponsorship. But I like the idea of sponsors, so I thought ooh, there might be a, a way for us to go and and find sponsorship for this podcast. Uh, and I came up with uh, uh, I came up with one. So uh, so without any further ado, today's episode is brought to you by Chasubles. Are you a priest who likes to stand out and the old collar shirt not bringing enough flair to your life? Try to hide that coffee stain on your alb. Not sure what we're talking about, but you're curious to experience something new? Try Chasubles. It's the perfect solution to every priest's clothing dilemma. Winter, spring, fall, or summer? Maybe not so much in the summer. But Chasubles are the perfect outermost liturgical vestment to suit all your needs. Pick up yours wherever stoles are sold. Very well done. Hey! Impressive. It wasn't hypocrisy. Uh, no! <laughs> Kept waiting for the offensive punchline. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce was sitting there going, we're going to cut here. Where, where's this going? Where's this going? <laughs> we're going to end this recording real quick here. But uh, <laughs> just a little something to lighten the mood. And 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 maybe uh, uh, bring attention to a... we have, In the Episcopal Church, we have many, many words for things that you didn't even know were named. Um, and so... Or existed. Or existed. Uh, and even going through uh, the the process of confirmation, where you get to delve into some of those, um, you either don't get to go over all of them, or you forget. Uh, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to bring up some of those uh, some of those words and uh, and sh- shine a little bit of a light on on what they are and what they mean. And if I can make a joke out of it, anybody who knows me knows that I'm going to try to do that too. And so, for those of you who are trying to picture what is a chasuble. It is the poncho that a priest wears or a bishop wears. I thought of saying, calling it a priestly poncho. It's a priestly <laughs> poncho, bishop's in title as well. But not nearly as waterproof, usually. Not in the, uh, very, usually traditionally very ornate. Uh, uh, some are very plain, actually. So, some are very plain. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the pictures, when I was doing, I was conducting official scientific research uh, for this. Uh, the, thank God that, for Google. <laughs> thank God for Google. Lots of, uh, that, was, that was one of the descriptors that, that, uh, the, that many of the website uh, dictionaries, the Bible dictionary or the religious dictionary, uh, threw into the definition was often very, uh, very ornate or, or bedazzled, bejeweled. Bedazzled? Wow. <laughs> well, I don't think. I think maybe that's my word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I was say, I'm serving the wrong churches. Man, I, <laughs> well, hey, 
So click that donate button, yeah. and we'll get him a bedazzled chasuble. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or, or spend it on something a little bit more practical, uh, like yeah, serving this community, maybe. I was going to say, maybe we'll feed the poor instead maybe, of maybe we'll do, Maybe we'll do something uh, beneficial like that instead. But uh, but so anyways, there's our, there, there's our first sponsorship. Uh, and, uh, uh, so, uh, thank you so much to Chasubles for, for agreeing to go along with it. Uh, I did not seek their consent. Um, <laughs> so on to the readings, uh, December 16th, uh, we've got, uh, three readings like we usually do. One from Isaiah, one from Philippians and one from Luke. So we'll go in the order that you'll hear them in the, uh, in the service itself. Uh, Isaiah 12, two through six. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Um, so this is a this is a kind of like an exclamation. Yep. Uh, Song of praise. Yeah. Uh, um, I like the imagery that Isaiah draws here. That, that will draw water from the wells of salvation. Very poetic there. Isaiah is wonderfully poetic. It's one of the longer books of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, so consequently one of the longest books in the whole Bible. And it's full of wonderful imagery, metaphors, and poetry. They yep. recommend it highly. Yeah, there you go. Is, is there a book of the Bible that you don't recommend? <laughs> Revel Aha, twisted Revel it on Revelation you. <laughs> is not for beginners. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah, Which is not to say I don't recommend it. Just don't just start there. Yeah, that's not a good a good place to start. There's a yeah. There's a lot of a, a lot of background needed for for that one, and a lot of background that's not covered in the books of the Bible themselves either. I think uh, uh, for at least for a lot of scholars, as far as I've read, that there have been there are a lot of outside influences that, oh, that yeah. you would yeah. you would want to know. Oh, well, you'd want to know this if you were going. Yeah, to here's the it. poetic context yeah. for Revelation, that sort of thing. Yeah. If you hear us uh, 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 swallowing uh, uh, or gulping things down or, or, or hiding coughs, uh, we're, we're we're both we're both fighting a little bit of uh, this weather is not kind. <laughs> this midwestern weather. Um, Thank goodness for tea, especially for for your your California upbringing um, uh, in the church. Uh, this, is, this is quite different. <laughs> I, I still love it. Thank goodness for tea, though. Such lies. Uh, <laughs> um, so. Um, Anything and anything else? I mean, this one kind of strikes me as a little, little bit more straightforward, uh, as far as just you know his proclamation of uh, how great God is and how he. Well, if this is one of those that is almost directly a counter to the image of the Hebrew scriptures being the angry God. And the New Testament being the, the loving God that Christians sometimes carry, um, that stereotype, in that it very explicitly, in the uh, very first verse, talks about, um, though, though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Mm. It starts to, at the very beginning, switch what a lot of people's expectations and preconceptions are about how God deals with the human race. 
Now that's uh, you, you touch on a very interesting point because uh, that that's carried all throughout Christianity. There there seems to be a stark contrast between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The God of the Old Testament is fire, brimstone, and um, um, turning people into pillars of salt, and the New Testament is you know hey love everyone. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so is Isaiah really the 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 kind of the the turning point and trying to steer that that rudder? Uh, uh, Some would say so. Some okay. scholars would say so. But I'm more of the school of thought where if we read through the Hebrew scriptures appropriately and with faith, we will actually see a great continuity within within those scriptures as we find through the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament. That it's the old thing that with this Bible, if if you read it with a preconceived notion, you'll see that preconceived notion in verse after verse because mm-hmm. so much of it is metaphorical that it's open to interpretation. But if you're able to step back, and usually with the help of, in my case, scholars um, who have spent their life's work looking at different parts of the Bible, uh, reading their commentaries and things like that, it's easier to then to see how there are a wide diversity of theologies within both the New Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures, Mm -hmm. and to try to characterize any section of the Bible as one thing or another, or fully this, or not at all that, just doesn't work. The, mm-hmm. with Bible, the Bible within itself is way too diverse in its content and perspectives. And particularly the Hebrew Scriptures, and to a lesser extent the New Testament, there are so many different authors writing at so many different times, even within, say, the book of Isaiah. There's identified three different authors for the book of Isaiah hmm. that we can't say this is what the author the author meant. This is a fire and brimstone book. Mm-hmm. Instead, there are all sorts of pieces within any given passage. And I think the Holy Spirit guides us through the reading of them so that we can see how the Bible is relevant for us today. One of the reasons I think Christians tend to disregard the Hebrew scriptures, is that way they don't have to read them. And it literally saves them hours of time, (laughs) uh, but also helps them dumb down their theology, to be a little outrageous in what I say. Mm -hmm. Uh, That if we take time with the Hebrew scriptures, we're going to find ourselves challenged by God again and again and again. And that takes more spiritual effort to deal with. It does. I mean, you're you're not wrong there. It's a lot. It, it, we we went recently through a uh, um, a cycle there uh, for uh, adult forum that was uh, just focusing on on uh, parables and how to dig down deeper in them. And you would think, you know, kind of you know, growing up in the church, you know, kid hearing parables, you're you're taught it. You know, and it kind of seems like on the surface, oh, there's really this way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, there's and as this you means start that. To, as you start to peel some of those things back, you start going, well, you know, yeah. what 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 if it meant this? What if it meant that? And mm-hmm. it's not so much that you're trying to find the answer, it's that 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 discussion of uh of and thought process of what it could be or what it might mean or what is how does it strike you, uh, is kind of really starts to open up 
the possibilities. Right. And for Episcopalians, one of the things we believe deeply about the scripture is that the Bible is crucial to living our lives out faithfully, and that at times a, a particular verse may mean something very different when we're in our 20s versus 30s, 40s, throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. That even a favorite Bible passage can shift in its meaning as the Holy Spirit leads us more and more deeply into a relationship with God. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's important for us not to simply say this Verse means this forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, very good. Yeah, and uh, um, anything more on yeah. on that, or yeah. we move on to Philippians? Yeah, it's a good moving on point. <clears throat> moving on. So Philippians uh, 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, and then, then my, my uh, non-denominational background uh, launches into a song. A children's song that I learned uh, uh, way back when. But then when I come back <laughs> and refocus myself, uh, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, that last verse, uh, there are, there are, parts of that that sound very familiar as a uh maybe as a, a as a departing words of wisdom from a from, from from the church service itself yeah it's the one of the traditional blessings within many denominations including the episcopal church uh uses that very verse mm -hmm. so it's uh in that way one of the earliest liturgical sentences in christianity since paul was someone who wrote before the Gospels were even written down. So it's a, mm -hmm. a very ancient well-wishing among Christians. Hmm. It does kind of seem to be, uh, in a way, if you think about it in, in terms of being a dismissal, it does kind of seem to say, hey, go go out mm -hmm. and do this, and, and uh, uh, um, go in peace with God, and, and don't worry, and like, you know, just kind of instructions for the week. Uh, very much, yeah, I can see very much why it kind of comes out as a, as a dismissal. Yeah, and within the context of Philippians, it's part of the closing. Okay, uh, I was just about to ask that. Where, where in the letter does that, does, does that occur? Yeah, it's in, the, it's in the, what we would now call the last chapter. Paul, as he wrote his letters, didn't put chapter and verse there. That's something the church did many, many years later. But yeah, it's um, in the home stretch hmm. of the letter. So now, uh, a quick detour on this one, because you and I had a conversation before we started recording, which th then colors this conversation just a little bit in, in, in a way that, that intrigues me. Okay. Uh, to, so because this is, uh, as most things are about me, um, <laughs> uh, I want to take a quick detour. We talked about the verses just before uh, this reading starts, mm -hmm. uh, and and we won't read through it, but but it, go back and if you read the beginning part of uh, Philippians uh, chapter four, you'll note that there's some talk of uh, individuals. There there are, right. there there are people's names mentioned in there, and you told me something that I didn't know, which was uh, this was essentially like a a written almost uh, rebuke or hey get your act together yeah. uh, uh, call. <laughs> to 
two people in in, in Philippi uh, who might not have been getting along. Mm-hmm. And so then, right after the rebuke, we get into and I'm ending, you know, right. <laughs> I'm ending, I'm ending this letter, and you know, you know, don't forget to love God, but uh, you two cut it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very much a you behave, you should behave, <laughs> and actually, there's a another word there that may be a name or just a reference to a person. So it's two to three people, okay, are being told by Paul to strain out their act and to become unified in Christ, and then he. It's sort of, again, a, um, a pastoral technique of quickly moving on so that the people, the three, two to three people mentioned, don't have, A, a chance to argue back. Sure. I mean, there's no Dear stage. Paul. Right. <laughs> How dare you? I want to leave a reply on this post. But also... The congregation that's hearing this letter being read out loud is moving on to something positive. Okay, yeah. So that the the community is not dwelling on this conflict. It's important enough to address it. Important enough to right. for the folks to be told to straighten out. But then now let's move on. So it's kind of the uh, it's kind of that uh, uh, criticism sandwich. Like uh, the, yeah. be- the beginning part of the of the of the letter is uh, you know I'm so gl- happy to be writing to you. you I'm glad things are going job. well. You two are kind of messing up, uh, but uh, let's you know uh, the peace of but, God be with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But bless your hearts. Yeah, bless your hearts. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, okay, well then, yeah, like, other, like I said, other than the uh, verse verse four uh, standing out there as a as a children's uh, uh, <laughs> a, a Christian song that I at least I learned. Um, um, well, now I'm wondering because of what you just said whether. Verse um, two, which again we haven't read, uh, is is the first uh, criticism or praise sandwich in recorded history. Ooh, but, ooh! So any anyone studying uh, to to uh, to become a priest or a deacon, you could write a whole paper on this. Yeah, I, I you're welcome. Yes, <laughs> we'll take donations <laughs> at our webpage. No, <laughs> PhD to go dot com. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm obviously not going to speak to any uh, uh, any quality of what that paper would <laughs> right. then would then have. I, I think maybe your professor might look at you and go, "Like this is this is job. this is you could have really come on. You should have dug deeper than right <laughs> criticism sandwich." <laughs> uh, but we did talk about on on a on a previous podcast about how uh, um, uh, you you. Um, and, there's a growing technique that you see mm-hmm. in, uh, especially in these letters, uh, the to to the 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 burgeoning, uh, the budding church, right? Uh, uh, that uh, is is a lot of management styles. You can kind of start right. to, to to read in there of of like you know praise and encouragement, praise Thanks. and encouragement, praise Thanks. and encouragement, uh, some direction, more <laughs> praise and encouragement, right? Yeah, and and uh, and so it's kind of interesting then to view it through that lens of thinking yeah. of like uh, uh, you know Paul just trying to keep these you know young rabbles together and like you know nip things in the bud before they get <laughs> yep. out of hand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, all those issues that any any community faces, right? Especially churches. It's a long distance priest relationship there. Yeah. That's got, <laughs> had to have been difficult for him. Yeah, he would have done better with Skype, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But then, unless they recorded it, we would not have had access to what he said. Those, those, those poor people wouldn't have had their, their written rebuke carry on down through the ages. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 2,000 years Almost later. Almost 2,000 years. What were they up to? And we all still know that they had beef. Well, and, it's, and what's interesting is that for you and I, it's easy for us to imagine what it would have been. Because we're in church, it, we can it, immediately name two yeah. or three instances where, could be oh anything. yeah, it could be that kind of thing, or this, or that, or the other yeah. thing. None of which ever happened at Holy Family. No. But we've no, experienced no, no, no. Yeah, other I've heard, I've heard uh, rumors uh, at other parishes. <laughs> rumors and murmurings, <laughs> yes. Uh, but that's, it, it, which is, which is uh, to, to, to be fair, part of the life of, of a church. I that's mean, right. it's just, uh, anytime you put people, I mean... It, just think of what it sometimes is like at home. It's just when you put people close together and you spend a lot of time with each other, and the, the, you're bound to find some things that you don't agree on. Or... Well, and especially if you're doing important things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And things that are very meaningful. Yeah, things you feel passionate about. Yeah, yeah. bound to be disagreements. Yeah, and, and I'm sure including this podcast. Um... <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so Luke... Chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Uh, we tried to find a good uh, 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 place to take a pause on this, but uh, kind of really reads all the way through, so right. I'm going to bore you by reading it all the way through. Uh, John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers. I love that one. Me too. Uh, Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers asked, also asked him, And we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by false or uh, threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation... And all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. So here in early early verse or chapters of Luke, we're talking about John the Baptist, right. uh, not John the Apostle. Right. Um, but um, um, this is this is kind of going back a little bit uh, with the fire and brimstone. Uh, There's I mean, a bit there. Yeah. Um, and one of the things uh, I, I love sharing things that I've learned uh, along the way. One of the things that I learned more recently was uh, the imagery of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, re- uh, uh, symbolizing genealogies or or uh, groups of people. So they would, I think, a lot of people see the imagery of the tree representing uh, Israel itself, and uh, talking about the axe lying at the root of the trees. I I, I would assume this this imagery is in, in, intended to instill fear of like your you know the whole thing could be cut down 
right because of you know the direction we're heading if we don't if we don't change is this mm-hmm. kind of a the, that fire and brimstone kind of a kind of a spiel from yeah though so what's interesting here is Luke is the third to the youngest gospels John's the youngest gospel okay and so there's youngest a, meaning uh, most recently written. most recently written okay so there's a pretty good chance that by the time this was being written down Israel itself had ceased to exist oh so this was that, maybe some author foreshadowing um, well more more describing the past okay yeah that putting an interpretation on the Romans destroying Jerusalem yeah that's on a, yeah. scattering all the people out of uh, Israel um, so in that way the even the verse that says even now the axe is lying at the root of the tree if it's a reference to Israel it doesn't say explicitly it is but sure. if it is then people would say well yeah we saw that happen yeah, the, yeah. The Romans were the axe, right? And they have destroyed the kingdom of Israel. The you know, the king is gone. The temple is gone. We are scattered around the Mediterranean uh, Sea in various ways, and so we're really going to pay attention to what else this gospel says because this is helping us make sense of this tragedy that we've experienced. Mm. Or it's helping explain the, yeah. some of what has happened. Or at the very least, we saw it happen from. Uh, yeah, if they were from Greece or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, we saw it happen across the sea. So I find it interesting. So the, the crowds, and, and and I know that there's there's these little uh, uh, um, intentional uh, additives to 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 their storytelling, but I find it interesting that when the crowds ask what to do, it's like share. It's basically share from your abundance. You have in some ways, yeah. You have food. You have clothes. Share with with you know with with, uh, with those who have not, uh, and then. But then, you know, he brings in a couple of groups of people who people don't really like. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so what What do the tax collectors do? Uh, um, just do your job. <laughs> <laughs> just do your actual job. Don't, don't, uh, and, and same, and, and, and in a way, in that regards, the soldiers are, are somewhat, sound somewhat similar. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, don't extort and don't take, you know, be happy with what you're supposed to do and collect the money you're supposed to collect. So even back in Jesus's time, uh, tax collectors were still, uh, some of the most hated people. Uh, and then the soldiers, I guess, represent the, the empire that these, the, the, the readership would have already known, you know, these and are the people who overthrew you. Knew all too well. And like, right. And, and brought everything to a screeching halt. Well, and the other thing to know about tax collectors and soldiers too, is that, each group would have been given been given an amount to collect, uh-huh. and they were allowed to keep anything they collected above that. So hmm. that is one of the reasons why tax collectors were one of the the prime images within the Gospels of people who were unethical, mm-hmm. and they were particularly reviled because they were collecting taxes on behalf of the Romans. So, right, it would be your cousin suddenly collecting money for the evil empire, and not just collecting what the evil empire required, but enough to make himself outrageously wealthy. Gotcha. So they were uh, reviled both for the power that they represented, the the authority they represented, 
and also for the horrendously exploitive way they carried out their duties. And soldiers mm -hmm. had the same dynamic where they were allowed to uh, treat the, the people very poorly mm -hmm. as long as they successfully fulfilled their duties as soldiers, as collectors of um, goods and valuables mm -hmm. for the higher-ups and that sort of thing. So it was interesting. You were very right to point out that these two groups were specifically addressed because that means they were there. Gotcha. And that the scene that is set up begins with the people of Israel listening. Mm -hmm. So children of Abraham suddenly shifts to the people who were explicitly exploiting the children of Abraham and were... In, the, in terms of Romans, not even close to being children of Abraham. So it's part of Luke's effort to universalize the gospel message beyond the people who were in the Holy Land, mm -hmm. uh, beyond simply um, Jews and others who were uh, seeking Jewish wisdom and that sort of thing. So throughout the gospel of Luke, we'll see instances where he draws stories that appear in Mark and Matthew, draw them into a much wider context to make them applicable to people living in places well beyond the Holy Land who had perhaps, well, actually probably, had never even seen Israel or Jerusalem and perhaps never even heard of it before. Hmm. So, this, so it was kind of a, a, an inclusive dynamic trying to trying to say this message isn't exclusively for the people who were there but to say very much so uh, um, now that the world has changed it's it's for all it's, of us it's, it's, it's more universal all of us and for so even for those people that you did not you, you you would have never thought were in this the same group as you and who had no chance of ever being right right within God's grace right John the Baptist saying no there is a path even for the people you think are most despicable right which would have just been mind-blowing to many people of faith, regardless of their faith background. If they were uh, a faithful pagan mm -hmm. or uh, one of the other religions around the Mediterranean, one of the common marks of world religions is having insiders and outsiders. Hmm. And one of the things Luke mm -hmm. tries to really break down is any sense that there's anyone outside. Hmm. Everyone's invited inside. Some individuals choose not to, but there's no group that is explicitly uh, not allowed in, hmm. into God's grace, into the Christian community, into the love that Jesus has for everyone. Yeah. Well, and, and as I think of, you know, the way that, that this end, ends, uh, that's that's interesting to realize that, you know, he, he makes them a part of the group, and then comes, you know, the fire and brimstone. So the, the people that you would, you would originally assume the fire and brimstone would be point, directed right. towards are already lumped in with your group and they're receiving the same message of, you know, the winnowing, he's got the winnowing fork in his hand. He's going to burn up the chaff. Uh, y'all better. Yeah. <laughs> you all better sort out here. Yeah. Everyone's um, accountable. Yeah. That you're, you're not immune from accountability because of Reddit being who your parents were mm -hmm. or because you went to church every week or, Whatever standard you might say, it makes me an insider. Mm -hmm. Instead, all the world's loved, all the world's countable. We're all in the same boat together, which uh, drives people nuts to yeah. hear. 
and it would have it would opens up that path to salvation to the, yeah. the you know the, the implied salvation there to to those people as well right all you got to do is stop extorting and be happy with your salary mm-hmm that's interesting that's very interesting um okay anything else on Luke no I think I that there's... Without spoiling the, uh, the, 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 the sermon itself. Yes, we don't want to do that, especially since it's the bishop who's preaching this coming week. Right. Maybe we did spoil, spoil it. So maybe, maybe we did. Maybe, maybe she's going to talk about the, the, the first ever compliment sandwich. Um, I bet so. I, but there's I only one way money. to know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But yeah, that, you're, you're, you're not wrong. We are, we do, we are uh, hosting the bishop. Uh, here on the 16th, so this Sunday. At and 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock, both services. Yeah. Wonderful. It'll be a wonderful morning, and uh, everyone can hear her take on these passages. And if you can't be at church, you can check it out on the YouTube channel. Yeah, we'll definitely have it up uh, up on the YouTube channel, which is uh, HFEC Videos on, on YouTube. Uh, and that'll be up uh, later on uh, Sunday afternoon. As soon as I can get around to uh, rendering it correctly, <laughs> we appreciate your volunteer hours. <laughs> uh, so, in, in light of that, uh, I, I don't think I have anything else for for this Sunday, December sixteenth. I think we're ready to wrap up. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. I'm Bruce, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.